Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, charges against a man are dismissed after video evidence contradicts a peace officer's claims of assault and racial slurs from a 2020 incident. During a hearing for the Committee on Government Operations, Veterans Affairs and Consumer Protection, senators voted favorably to honor three Virgin Islanders. The Virgin Islands Conservation Society recognizes three beaches in the territory with blue flag status. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Get away from me! In a case where a peace officer claimed to have been physically and racially assaulted while trying to enforce COVID regulations at a local bar in Cane Bay on St. Croix, the matter has now been resolved in favor of the defendants. Natalie Hollins and James Bildal were arrested in June 2020 following a routine inspection at the Spratnet Beach Bar and Restaurant. The Virgin Islands Department of Health Enforcement Officer, Wanson Harris, said that while conducting his duties at the establishment that evening, the pair hurled racial epithets toward him, hit him in the face, threw bear on him, bit and spat on him. Harris claimed he was called a black monkey, amongst other things. That's according to the probable cause fact sheet. As the case moved through the court, attorneys for the defendants asked about the nature of the evidence against the accused. Defense lawyers argued that there were two Department of Health employees at the bar that evening and that one was recording on their mobile phone. In December 2020, counsel for Bildal filed a motion against the court to compel prosecutors to turn over evidence that they say contradicted the narrative told by Officer Harris. Key Walker, attorney for Bildal, says the video which helped exonerate her client are evidence of the false statements of the Department of Health officials. We spoke with attorney Walker following the dismissal against her client. My client, Mr. Bildal, is... is happy that this matter has finally been brought to a close. Um, he really loves and enjoys the island of St. Croix. He had made a lot of friends here, and when he was uh, misbranded as a racist and accused of, you know, by two health officers, Department of Health officers, of assaulting a police officer, specifically Officer Harris claimed that Mr. Bedell punched him in the face, and Ms. Ramos um, claimed that, uh, you know, that Mr. Bedell had boxed Officer Harris in the face, none of which was true. And because of those false statements where they, you know, suggested that he made racist statements and that he assaulted an officer, you know, my client lost a lot of business, a lot of income. He was subjected to conditions of release which prevented him from traveling. Um, he he felt unsafe for a long time because there were some people who believed the lies that these officers told. And then, of course, he had to retain a lawyer to fight against the false charges. And what was really disappointing is that the evidence of the officers' lies 
were right there on their phone because they recorded the incident. And because they recorded the incident, they knew, even if they were mistaken in what they could, what they remembered, they knew that what they said were lies. And when we defended the case um, and his former attorney, Ezzie Winter, defended the case, we had to fight to get the video that the officers had on their phone. Um, we finally got that video about two years ago, but of course the government didn't dismiss the case right away. So he was subjected to the criminal justice system for an additional two years. The case against Hollins has also been dismissed with prejudice in early October after she completed 40 hours of community service. Attorney Walker expressed that the video further depicted what she says was the mishandling of Ms. Collings. We believe the officers definitely need to be investigated um, not just for their lives, but for the assault on Natalie Hollins, because when you watch the video, you can see where Officer Harris shoves her down to the ground. You can see where he towers over her. You can see that she's inebriated. You can see he's threatening to take her to jail. He handcuffs her, leaves her face down in the sand where she could have choked to death, and just left her there while the other officer continued recording. When they did that, Ms. Hollins ran into the water and could have drowned. There are so many just violations of the rights of not just my client and Ms. Hollins that I think some investigation into the conduct of these officers is warranted. We inquired with Attorney Walker if there were plans to take civil action against the officers. He's considering it. Um, he's, you know, we're definitely discussing it. But most importantly, we want to make sure that no other member of the community is subjected to what Officer Harris and Officer Ramos did um, to these people that evening. We reached out to the Department of Health Commissioner Justa Encarnacion, who was traveling and unable to provide comment at this time. Also, Richardson Dangle Ben Jr., the man accused of killing St. Thomas Police Detective Delbert Phipps Jr., pleaded not guilty at a hearing held in district court on Wednesday. During that arraignment, the lawyer for Danglebin asked that his client receive medical care while behind bars awaiting trial. An indictment handed down by a grand jury on October 13th contains 13 criminal counts. The list is topped by a federal charge that the defendant used a firearm while committing a crime that resulted in death and that he did so while under indictment for a fatal shooting of 68-year-old Keith Jennings in February. It also accuses Danglebin of also trying to kill Officer Shaheem Skeet during a three-way gunfight on the 4th of July. Detective Phipps Jr. was fatally wounded in the July standoff in Jai Yard with Danglebin, with police officer Skeet providing crossfire. Both officers were there responding to reports of someone walking in the area with a gun and a bulletproof vest. That's according to court records. Magistrate Judge Ruth Miller on Wednesday asked prosecutors and the defense lawyer if they had viewed the indictment. Both responded yes. She then set a December 11th trial date before Chief District Judge Robert Malloy. Public defender Matthew Campbell declared it a complex case and said he would soon file a motion to that effect. If the motion is granted, the trial date is likely to be extended. Before the conclusion of the hearing, defense attorney Campbell told the magistrate about efforts to get more medical attention for his client, who sustained wounds in both hands. One injury is said to be so severe that permanent disability may result without further treatment. The next scheduled court appearance is a pre-trial conference set for November 22nd.
On Wednesday, the 35th Legislature's Committee on Government Operations, Veterans Affairs, and Consumer Protection, chaired by Senator Carla Joseph, convened in a meeting at the Capitol Building on St. Thomas. Lawmakers voted in the affirmative for bills to honor and commend the late Myron Corbett by renaming a basketball court in his honor. A bill to commend Dr. Alfred O'Heath by constructing and erecting a bronze statue. All approved items will be forwarded to the Committee on Rules and Judiciary for further consideration. Policymakers voted in favor of Bill No. 35-0091, a resolution honoring and commending Aaliyah Boston for her many accomplishments in girls' and women's basketball, her contribution as an ambassador to the territory, and her contribution to women's sports worldwide, as well as awarded her the key to the territory. The bill is sponsored by Senator Marvin Blyden and Angel Bolquez and co-sponsored by Senator Maurice James. In written testimony submitted to the legislature, head women's basketball coach Don Staley of the University of South Carolina said that Aaliyah stood out from the competition not just because of her remarkable athletic ability, but also because of her amazing sportsmanship and leadership abilities. Aaliyah's mother, Cleone Boston, shared a glimpse of her daughter's personality and said that her love and devotion for people is unrivaled. While the proposed bill highlights Aaliyah's numerous accomplishments on the court and in the classroom, there are aspects of her life that go beyond what you see during the games. These qualities make her truly worthy of this honor. First and foremost, Aaliyah understands and embraces her heritage. She recognizes that she is a child of God and she accepts the responsibility that comes with that identity. Aaliyah Boston was also in attendance and remarked on her excitement for the future of the Virgin Islands. Responding to inquiry if she thought about life after the WNBA, she shared it wasn't something she'd given much detail thought to. I am planning to play for a really long time, amen. Um, but honestly, I really want to continue to do broadcasting. So I think being able to do this my first off season um, is just going to be really good and helpful for my career in that because when the ball does stop bouncing, that is something that I will want to continue because, I mean, there are different seasons um, for different sports. So just being able to learn more about the different sports and be able to do broadcasting, not just for college, but even NBA and stuff like that. So it'll be pretty cool. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority collaborated with the Department of Planning and Natural Resources, the Department of Health, and Vitima to address critical lead and copper concerns at the Environmental Protection Agency's Environmental Dialogue held on Tuesday at the Rotary Club West in Frederickstead. The aim of the meeting was to engage with WAPA customers about their concerns and obtain feedback. One of the key topics was the importance of resampling in addressing the lead and copper crisis. It was emphasized that resampling played a crucial role in verifying and confirming the initial results. Results from that resampling have not yet been shared. For more information, the Department of Health has a hotline for residents with health-related inquiries related to lead and lead testing. Call 340-712-6299 or 340-776-1519. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources hotline number for information on the sampling process and regulatory practices for ensuring potable water is 340-514-3666. 
Testing for lead exposure is also available at the Fredericksted Health Center on St. Croix and the St. Thomas East End Medical Center in the Tutu Park Mall on St. Thomas. The Virgin Islands Conservation Society, along with the USVI Hotel and Tourism Association, announced that after an extensive annual review process, three beaches have once again been awarded the blue flag status by the Foundation for Environmental Education. We spoke with Valerie Peters, the blue flag coordinator for the Virgin Islands Conservation Society, on what the status means. The blue flag program is an international eco-label that is focused on sustainability of uh, coastal environments, focusing on both beaches and marinas are the two main environments um, that it's focused on. And the four main areas um, are environmental education, safety, uh, water quality, and uh, education in general, engaging folks in um, taking better care of our natural resources, if you will. Three beaches receiving certification were the Emerald Beach Resort at Lindbergh Bay and the Ritz-Carlton Resort Beach at Great Bay on St. Thomas and the Tamarind Reef Resort at Green Key Beach on St. Croix. Ms. Peters shared that it is a rigorous process and that about 32 variant criteria must be followed as well as rigorous water quality testing. It's a list of criteria as well as a rigorous water quality monitoring program that focuses on both fecal coliform and enterococci. And that is during the blue flag season, which is actually from December 1st to June 30th. And mainly because that's when we know that our water quality is good. Um, during hurricane season, we run the risk with storms and runoff and things like that, that the water quality would not be uh, as, as good, if you will, especially for swimming, which is what we monitor for. We asked if the process was something that the local government could pursue and do for beaches all across the territory. Yes, the local government could absolutely, especially with um, park beaches and things like that. Um, it's really about beaches that are um, have a heavy human impact, if you will. For additional information, visit viconservationsociety.org or contact blueflagusvi at gmail.com. And the nonprofit organization Cancer Supports VI is continuing its recognition of Pinktober with a faith walk this coming Saturday on the island of St. Thomas. We spoke with Barb Michad, director of CSVI, to tell us about Pinktober. Uh, Pinktober is a month-long series of initiatives to raise awareness and funds for Cancer Support VI. Cancer Support VI is a nonprofit organization, the largest nonprofit organization in the Virgin Islands, that raises funds for cancer patients in the territory. St. Thomas, St. John, St. Croix, Water Islands. A hundred percent of every dollar that we raise. Um, and we emphasize that thanks to the Stevenson family and their businesses that provides all of our expenses, my salary, patient advocate salary paid so that 100% can go um, to provide grants for cancer patients in the Virgin Islands. So we choose throughout the year initiatives. Pinktober, this is our 10th uh, year of celebrating Pinktober. Pinktober started um, based upon the fact that I had cancer back in 2013, was an uninsured cancer patient living in the Virgin Islands and 
working at Mahogany Run and introduced to Cancer Support VI. I always tell this story because I believe that it is the famous quote of Maya Angelou, it's not what you did, it's not what you said, it's how you make someone feel. And they provided at the time a grant for $1,500. It might as well have been $15 million um, because of the way that they made me feel about receiving that. I felt very prideful, as I have learned humbly, most Virgin Islanders don't want people to know that they have cancer, let alone ask for help. Um, so we're uberly grateful that we provide currently an uninsured cancer patient up to $5,000 annually, as well as an MAP a warrior that would receive up to 4,000 in an insured cancer patient because just because you're insured doesn't mean cancer is not incredibly expensive, it's up to 2,500. And we always make extenuating circumstances, remembering that our cancer center has not reopened since the hurricane. So we're really just a drop in the bucket. Ms. Machad shared that there was anticipation for the cancer center to reopen in the next 18 to 24 months but it doesn't negate obstacles cancer patients face that ultimately make them have to leave the territory. She cited that their organization hosts several initiatives to be able to support patients in the territory. This is an opportunity just for, for people to take uh, a walk and reflect. You know, and if there's an opportunity for donations, that's a really wonderful thing, but it isn't the premise of... Um, this walk. So it, it again, warm up is at 6 a.m. at Charlotte Kimmelman uh, Cancer Institute. It will start at, uh, Craig is on time, um, sharp, and will start at 6.30 a.m. Um, and we'll lead the way. The Faith Walk is open to the public and no registration is necessary. The Virgin Islands Department of Human Services Division of Family Assistance Certification Unit is reminding all Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program households in the Virgin Islands of the approaching deadline for the submission of vital recertification applications, periodic reports, and additional information documents. Natalie Bailey, the department's SNAP administrator, explains why the department has been so steadfast in reminding clients to renew. The need to renew is, is very important, and it's also a requirement in order to complete, to receive benefits. So previously, during the pandemic, we had received a lot of waivers at that time, and people had gotten accustomed to not having to renew their benefit. But now that the pandemic, in an endemic at this point, we are now required to do renewals. That's a very important part, and we've been reaching out to clients to let them know it's time. So usually 45, 45 to 60 days, yeah, we send notifications out. We do press releases, as well as we mail you your recertification packages. So it's important that clients return those packages because we don't want them to miss out on receiving their benefits. For information, beneficiaries can contact their caseworker or call the certification unit's office on St. Croix at 340-772-7100, extension 7159 or 7166. On St. Thomas at 340-774-0930, extension 4303 or 340-774-2399. Or on St. John at 340-776-6334. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is making its return. Sarah White, Director of Development and Fundraising for the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System, 
has the details. We will be having our Taste of Two Islands event on Thursday, December 14th from 6 to 10 o'clock at the Mark C. Marin Center at Antilles School. Transportation will be provided from Red Hook Dock as well as Haven Site parking lot to and from Antilles. We will have George Silcott as our Master of Ceremonies and Spectrum Band will be playing for the entire evening. We have early bird tickets on sale now for $50 and on November 14th they will go to $60. Member tickets are $45 and may be purchased at the WTJX station or by calling. And we will have 31 different restaurants. We will also have Cardo Wine and Bellows International will be doing a liquor table. We will also have Botany Bay and St. John Brewery. And tickets are available in person at Chelsea Drug and Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha and Havenside, and Bonita Cantina at the Niski Center. As we continue to move through the news feed, the University of the Virgin Islands Center for Excellence in Leadership and Learning through the Coral Wings Aviation has launched its aviation program. Students who are interested in participating may apply today as registration is open and ongoing. For additional information, contact Janet Rosario at 340-692-4230 or email cell at uvi.edu. As we continue in the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. The Coast Guard cutter Heriberto Hernandez repatriated 14 migrants to the Dominican Republic early this week following the interception of a makeshift vessel in Mona Passage waters off the west coast of Puerto Rico. During the interdiction, a U.S. Border Patrol agent reported citing an irregular, unlawful migration voyage off the coast of Aguadilla early Sunday morning. A responding Puerto Rico Police Joint Forces of Rapid Action Marine Unit intercepted the suspected vessel. Following the interception, crew on the cutter Gilberto Hernandez embarked 15 Dominican national, 14 men and a woman. They transported them to Dominican Republic territorial waters, where they were transferred to a Dominican Republic Navy vessel for repatriation. Captain Jose Diaz, commander of the U.S. Coast Guard Sector San Juan, said that the strong collaboration and resolve among the Caribbean Border Interagency Group continues to deliver successful outcomes as achieved in this case. He moved on to warn against unlawful migration by makeshift vessels, saying that they are highly unstable and have little to no life-saving equipment. Since October 21, 2022 through September 30, 2023, the Coast Guard has carried out 67 unlawful maritime migration voyage interceptions in the Mona Passage and waters near Puerto Rico. As we update the news feed, we're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. At St. Croix, we are expecting overcast skies and scattered showers to build in, mainly towards sunset. Temperatures will hold in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds are from the east, northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, we are expecting a bit more than way of sunshine towards the sunset hour and a few scattered showers as well. Temperatures will hold near 90. Winds also from the east, northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight at St. Croix, we will find 
by numerous showers early, then decreasing to partly cloudy skies after midnight. Lows will fall back to near 80. Winds from the east-northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, numerous showers are expected early and then a gradual decrease to mostly cloudy skies after midnight. Lows also back to near 80. The high surf advisory will start overnight for both St. Thomas and St. John as locally high waves are expected. Friday features numerous showers at St. Croix under mostly cloudy skies. Temperatures only reach the middle 80s. Winds remain from the east at 10 to 15. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find scattered showers early and the numerous showers during the afternoon on Friday with highs in the upper 80s to near 90. Again, locally high waves and high surf are expected at the shoreline. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We now return to All Things Considered.